Amen and amen. Amen to that? Amen. You really believe that? He makes all things new? You really believe that? Yes. Hmm. I think that's faith right there, isn't it? Amen. Well, turn with me in, your, in the Word, and if you do not have a Bible, uh, we're going to have somebody grab some Bibles and, and pass them around. We're a church that believes in reading God's Word and seeing it for ourselves. And so there's many ways to do it. You can uh, do it on your phone. You can do it in paper. Um, and so uh, raise your hand if there's anybody that does not have God's Word, and we will get it in your hands. And if you are a visitor and you receive a Bible and you don't have one at home, take it home with you. A Bible collecting dust, dust is no Bible at all. A Bible that changes lives is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So, very good, very good. We're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy 8. We're going to read the first five verses. If for some reason it's one of the first times you've picked up a Bible, all you got to do is look in the table of contents at the beginning in the Old Testament, and then you'll find it. All right. You with me? All right. I love it. The first five verses, listen to the word of the Lord. No, no, I said listen to the word of the Lord. No, 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 no. Stop thinking about other things. That's so easy to do, isn't it? So easy to do, be distracted. Uh, I just want you to know your pastor struggles with that too. He does. He does. So listen to the word of the Lord. He's speaking to you personally right now out of his word. It says, be careful to follow every, every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way to, through the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by, on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes will not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Thus ends the reading God's holy and inspired word. Let us go to prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that, uh, that you will open our hearts to this time. I pray that, Lord, that you open our hearts to the idea of new beginnings. Uh, because, Lord, the abuse of the physical is always to believe that there are not new beginnings. We sang songs of newness, songs of the fact that you are making all things new. And yet, Lord, unbelief says, no way that's true. And so, Father, I pray that you open our hearts to your word, open our minds, and, Lord, let your truth transform and change our hearts today. We need you. Oh, we need you. I pray against depression. I pray against anxiety. I pray against anything that is trying to weigh and distract hearts down right now. And I pray that, Father, that you will build a hedge of protection around this place. Your son prayed that he protected his own while he was in the world. And he said, Father, don't take them out of the world, but protect them in it. And so, Lord, we need your protection right now so that our hearts can hear your word, that we can receive it, and that, Lord, our lives can be changed by it so that we can live in the newness of our God. We love you and we trust you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I told you last week that Sue and I uh, read through the book of Deuteronomy uh, during our sabbatical time. 
And uh, that book um, is a, why we did it is because it's a book of new beginnings, of second chances, that even if we have sinned against God like this or like sinned against uh, him in the, in the wilderness and in, ended up walking for 40 years, uh, that there can be a new beginning. Even today, it can be a new beginning for you. Yes, it can. Uh, but, and, and so that, we, we just really believe uh, in that, um, uh, that in the new beginnings, um, it is a state that the Holy Spirit leads us through. And new beginnings is not just something that happens once. It's an ongoing life with the Lord. He, the Bible says that he's making everything new. And so obviously, in this reality of this earth, it's not all new yet, right? It's not like been transformed and we're living in heaven right now, right? It is a, it is a, it's, it's a transformation, it's a changing time. And so in these times, the Holy Spirit makes new as he convicts you of sin uh, in the slide of your life. And it is a time where you can be renewed. In these times of new beginnings, um, he can lead you through prophetic change, in your life, in which, which he speaks over your life and changes your life from one direction to another. In new beginnings, he can uh, chisel your life. Does anybody need chiseling here? Right? Um, right? I, I haven't been the leader that I should have been. I haven't, I haven't led my family. I haven't been the leader at church. or at Yeah, church. Um, I've not been involved. I've not been doing anything. I've not been a leader at my work. And so the Holy Spirit chisels your life uh, to prepare it for the work that he has. You, you believe that God has a work for you? Absolutely. Every single person does. And, uh, and he chisels you to prepare you for that. And it's, it's new beginnings. It's, it's, it's chiseling you through it. And also, um, there are times uh, that um, he leads you where people come and go in our life. Have you had that happen? Have you had people come and go in your life? It, it happens. It's not easy. Um, and, but he, he uses those time to bring new beginnings into your life. And so as I thought about this time, and I think about Deuteronomy, I think about the Israelites. Um, I'm sure there were more, but there were about 25 times in Israel's history where God brought a new beginning into their life, starting with Abraham and saying, go to the land, right? It's a new beginning. He left, uh, he left Ur uh, of Chaldees, and, and he went to Canaan. Um, to Joseph, in which he prepared Egypt to receive his people. It was a new beginning. Um, and, you know, you think about Egypt. That is where God's provision, when he promised that they would be as many as the stars in the sky and the, the sand on the seashore, it happened in Egypt. Moses walked out with over two million people walking out of Egypt. Think about that. That's just crazy. Using a a perverse and, 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 and uh, evil nation to incubate his people and bring forth a promise. I want you to think about that. I think that's amazing. Um, and then, of course, Moses and Joshua through the desert. If you think about uh, new beginnings, what about the judges? And about the fact that about 15 judges, there was this new beginning happen all the time because they would sin against God. He would bring a, a nation to come against them. They would cry out to God. He would restore them and a new beginning. And, uh, and so then, of course, through kings, and I thought about Hezekiah and Josiah. What a great name. Is Josiah in the room today? Is, is he out there? Okay, anyways. And so, yes. Um, and then, of course, the greatest new beginning uh, in all of our lives was when Jesus came. And the cross marked not only a new beginning for our, Jesus' life not only marked a new beginning for our calendar, but also a new beginning for our lives at the cross. And so, but this is interesting to me as I thought about this, I thought, wait a minute. Israel's new beginning had an end, ended at the cross. They had a new beginning, and even within some of our lifetime, anybody born um, in 1940s? Anybody here? 1940s? I got some hands. Um, or, or before? Yeah. You know, in 1948, that's something unprecedented happened in history, and that was the fact that Israel became a state again and, and claimed their independence. 
that never happened in history before. But because God's promise is true, because they are his chosen people, God resurrected the state of Israel and brought them back. A picture for us to remember that God is a God of new beginnings. And, uh, and he is doing it today. And so, um, and there's, there's over a hundred scriptures in scripture about that. Um, Isaiah 66, 8 says, who can ever, who has ever heard of such a thing? Nobody. Who has ever seen things like this? Nobody. Can a country be born in a day? And for you that may be visiting today, that's next, that's next week's message. In a day. In a day. We're going to talk about that next week. Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yes, no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Born again. Born again. It's just an amazing thing. So new beginnings are a natural part of movement of God's people uh, God is always at work pruning, thinning out unbelievers, strengthening the believers. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range back and forth throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's bringing new beginnings to us constantly. And he's looking at you. And he says, Is your heart fully for me? Is your heart fully? And he's bringing new beginnings to those whose hearts are fully for the Lord. I want you to think about that. As we think about new beginnings, let us first address this. What isn't it? What isn't it? New beginnings are not created in this physical world. The earth, the world cannot give you a new beginning. Wants to, begs to, even though the earth um, uh, attempts at rebirth after every winter, by bringing flowers forth and trees, leaves forth, and all this new life forth, what happens in the fall? It all returns uh, dead, and the, and the life drains back out of it into roots of trees and roots of, of, um, uh, of, an, of perennials, and, um, and it looks dead again. Even though our body has a potential of healing itself, we still age and are moved toward death. In fact, death, the statistic on death in human beings is 100%. Unless Jesus Christ returns, everyone will die. And so this experience, in fact, I, as I had done some study, I was reading a book and it said this. It says that, um, that cars are manufactured... They are designed with a built-in obsolescence factor. In other words, the car is made to run well for a few years, and then after time, it will begin to break down and become obsolete. You know that by electronics. When I, was, when I first came out of college, I worked at a company called Laser Alignment, and, um, and electronics were, were evolving probably on an annual basis, and then it moved to every six months. Now it seems like it's almost every other month that something changes in the electronic world to update, and things are, uh, are obsolescent uh, in, in this world. This is everything we experience in the world. Things start out new, but shortly they wear out, breaking down and falling apart. The world we live in is a wilderness, that just like the Israelites, we are traveling through to get to the promised land. The land that Jesus said, my, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where, with me, that you may also be where I am. New beginnings are not on this earth. Now, why is that important uh, for me to say? Because new beginnings are supernatural. They are supernatural events in which God intervenes in human history. 
Doesn't it amaze you sometimes how you can be going along, just kind of living your life just like the same day after day, and then all of a sudden, everything changes? Isaiah 43, 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. New beginnings are spouts of life that spring up in the wilderness of hopelessness. I was talking to a counselor this week. He is, he is um, retired now. And, uh, and he, has, he has counseled hundreds and thousands of people and he said this to me, he says, I noticed a growing trend of unreconcilable problems within relationships and other issues on, in our world. What he meant is that the wilderness of brokenness is continuing to grow in our world. People are living more and more with the unanswered problems in their lives, with broken relationships, and with the hopelessness of unresolved life. Do you see it? Do you have something in your life that seems as though there's no answer, whether it be relationship, finances, job, or a multitude of other life experiences? This is what the Lord says to you through the prophet Isaiah. 48, uh, chapter 48, verse 6. You have heard these things. Look at them all. Will you not admit... From now on, I will tell you of new things, of hidden things unknown to you. Sue and I have been talking uh, on this sabbatical and in our life about um, sometimes the way we deal with troubles and with difficulty. We try to resolve them with human logic. Like we can humanly think our way out of spiritual battles. This logic only causes frustration and, and it wears us out. This verse is telling us something interesting. First, we need to look at the problem and admit not only it exists, but that the world and human logic does not have the answer. Does not have the answer. Second, this verse is telling us to trust God that he does have the answer. It is hidden from the unbelieving world, but he wants to reveal it to all who will trust in him. I don't know what you are dealing with. I, I'm going to tell you this. This is the number one issue that a pastor has in his counseling. It is the fact that, that people come with the unbelief of not believing God can do it. And so they come for some kind of logic, some kind of encouragement, but they, they don't believe that God really can change a situation. And so not only are you counseling from a standpoint of hearing of the situation, but you're also counseling from the standpoint of trying to encourage a heart to believe. Do you believe that God can do anything? And this is what's so important about the theology of new beginnings. The theology of new beginnings places a human being in a place where they trust the Lord can do it. Trust the Lord that already he's there in their future. Trust the Lord that, that, that he has the right plan. And you trust the Lord more than you trust whether your circumstances ever change. And you walk through it. So, how can a person place themselves in a position to receive God's new beginnings? I think that's, isn't that a good question? I, I thought that was a good question. I, that's what I asked. New beginnings, listen to me, are transmitted through relationship. They're transmitted through relationship. Jeremiah 31, 22 says, How long will you wander, unfaithful daughter of Israel? The Lord will create a new thing on earth. The woman will return to the man. 
the bride will come back to the husband. The people will come back to God. Just like the illustration of the cars and obsolescence and, and, and how wandering in the wilderness always is a stray away from Jesus, just like the Israelites in Kadesh Barnea, we begin not to trust that God can fulfill his promises. We refuse to go into the land. We refuse to walk forward in the light of his promises for our lives. Thus becomes a brokenness from faith in God and without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. It's a point. Now if you've never come to a point in your life of faith in Jesus Christ, you're already there. You're already living in the, in, in the wandering of the wilderness. You're already living in the hopelessness of this can never be resolved. Absolutely. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and your heart has wandered from the Lord, you're there too. But it is transmitted through a reestablished relationship with God. A reestablished. It's amazing. Uh, God has called um, out of history, his bride to continue to be with him and to be close to him. In fact, in, in, the, in the picture of a wedding, like um, Joel and Shelby just went through, um, he calls out of Ephesians 5, he says that, that um, we should present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And it's the word of God that does that. It is God's word. And his chiseling and his new beginnings that continue to allow his, his family, his bride, to be chiseled to him and close to him. The whole point is that reestablishing a relationship with the Lord, right? And repenting of that. Revelation 2, 4 through 5 says this, You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand in its place. It's not going to be forever. Lampstamp represents, first of all, the church. We have seen many churches close. And there's a reason for that. Because Jesus is no longer taught. But also, how many lives have been destroyed and lampstands have been snuffed out because, because they have refused to follow the Lord. This is not an optional religion. This is not just one of many religions. This is the truth. Jesus Christ is the only God. There is no other Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice something. There's been a lot of attack against the church this way, but I want you to notice something. Did you notice he didn't say in here, he didn't say that you've fallen away from doing what I want you to do. He didn't say that. Isn't that interesting? What does it mean to follow his commands? No. What does it mean? What's the umbrella over following his commands? Loving him. Absolutely. No, you, wait, there's so much legalism in the church because, well, if you just do this right, do this right, do the. No, 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 no. You have lost your first love. The formula, the biblical formula is that love leads into obedience, not the other way around. Obedience does not lead into love. There's a lot of people who are living morally today who do not know Jesus Christ, and they're just on the course to hell as anyone else because morality never saved anyone. Now, love will lead you to obedience, but it's not, obedience does not lead to love. And so, I love that because some of us, some of us struggle with the fact that I let God down again this week. 
And that becomes a pervasive, never a new beginning in my life because I just keep letting him down and just keep letting him down. Listen, people of God, he loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. If you see your life not following the Lord, just get on your knees. Repent that it's your heart that's the problem. And let his love flow over you again. And if you need to do it every day because your life just continues to go, then do it every day. Repentance is a lifestyle. I think for years the church taught that repentance was a one-time deal. You're good, I'm moral, I'm going on. No, no, it is a lifestyle of a, of a Christian. It's the fact that the Holy Spirit is chiseling and moving our life, bringing new beginnings. And he's saying, hey, Ryan, you see this? I do. Okay. And Ryan, in response to his relationship with his Lord, falls on his knees and says, I see it. I, I, I agree with you. I confess it. I repent of it. I stand back up and I keep going. Because you love me with all your heart. And it's never changed. He's not disappointed with you. He loves you. Return to him. Don't just sit there and say, oh my. So what is God's work in this new beginning of reestablishing a relationship? So in the context of uh, Ezra, uh, Israel had rebelled against um, God and his weapon was Babylon in his hand. He put them in 70 years of captivity exactly as Jeremiah and Daniel had predicted. And the people were, were still slaves in slaves, but the Persian king Cyrus... Let them go back to their land and reestablish communal life and worship. Ezra says something that's so important. And I am getting back to that Deuteronomy passage, but I'm leading up to it. I, I hope you're with me. Ezra says this, Though we are slaves, our God has not forsaken us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the king of Persia. And listen to this line. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God, and repair its ruins. And he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. Now listen to me. As long as we're in this physical world, there is going to be a measure of slavery to our physical reality. Okay? It, it, it's, it, it's just going to happen. We're going to experience that, okay? That's not the end of this thing. It says here that even though we're slaves, God has granted us kindness. What has he done? He has granted us new life to rebuild. Now listen to that line. New life to rebuild. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is a God of life. That, now listen to me. That means that in the midst of the physical reality of your slavery, which we all have. Anybody here experience a week, daily, that, that enslavement to this physical world? That, am I only one up here? No, yeah, thank you. But, but in the midst of it, he has granted us new life to rebuild. That in the cross, in the resurrection of our Lord, he has given us new beginning to rebuild in our life. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care what your past is. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what depth of sin you have gone to. No one is too far for the grace of God. No one is too far away from God. People live in and around us with so much hopelessness because they don't think it could ever change and it could ever be new. Have you felt that? Yes, you have. You've struggled with it, haven't you? Yes, you have, and it's kept you buried in the slavery of this world. And it's time to become free in the new beginnings of our God. Now, like I said to you earlier, for me in counseling, that is the most difficult thing. When I have a person standing in front of me who... who doesn't believe God can do it. And they come with this problem that's burying them. We first got to get through the unbelief 
to the problem. And when we, when we make that transfer, the problem doesn't seem as big. So maybe big God, small problem. Small God, big problem. So who is Jesus to you? What does this Bible say? Who is he? He told us he was our overcomer. No, no, no. He told us how he was our overcomer. Now, you ain't believing that. He told us he is our overcomer. No matter what, I have overcome the world. I, I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps. That, that excites my heart. Because like you, I struggle with difficult things at times. And he is my overcomer. He's already there. He's already overcoming. So this is where we come to Deuteronomy 8. This is where we come to it. If you remember, we go back to the reading. Look in your Bible. Follow along with me. I'm, I'm praying that I didn't go too long, but I just I wanted to set some stuff up here for you so that you really could grasp a hold of the theology of new beginning because I know there's some people that are buried underneath the fact that this life is never going to change, and so I might as well just give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. You just let Jesus be who he is in your heart and Watch how even when the circumstances don't change, you do. You do. And so as we go in here, it says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. What is it going to take to walk forward in new beginning truth? What's it going to take? First of all, faith. It's going to take faith. See, what he was calling the Israelites to was to come back to the things that he had said to them and to begin to live out that life again. Right? Remember what I said when he says, follow my commands. He's not saying be an obedient servant that just by rote does what I say. What he's saying is, what is he saying? Fall in love with me again. Fall in love with me again so that your life becomes a life of obedience. Not because you have to, because you're loved. Oh my goodness sakes, how many people are doing extraordinarily stupid things trying to find love? It's amazing. They will do anything except one, receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And so he's calling them back to reestablish the foundation of faith, believing that God is able to do what he promises. Remember where you came from and get back to doing what you did when you first trusted the Lord. Yeah. Second, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order what? To know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Second thing we need to do is change our attitude. Now, if we had, um, you know, a little, a little um, truth in church, if we had uh, you all raise your hands on... on um, on things that have happened in your life that have just buried you because, because you're just like, this is what happened in my life. My, health, my life is just, just dung. It's just a piece of crap. It's, just, it's never going to be any good because this happened in my life. I, there are a few of us? Yeah. Change your attitude. Change your attitude. Why are these things happening to me? To God using them to test your faith. What? Wait, whoa, time out. Yeah. Now, he does not bring evil into your life. 
But does he take the things that you're going through and test if you really believe who he is? Absolutely he does. He does. In fact, that's the hope we have because you know what? Satan has brought those things into your life to destroy you. Amen? But if you change your attitude and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's testing my heart, guess who loses out? Satan. Because no longer are you destroyed by your past, but it becomes the foundation to you living in faith. You've changed your attitude. I think it was Chuck Swindoll that said that that um, attitude is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to it. How have you responded to what's gone on in your life? Can you believe that even though there is a, 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 a being out there that wants to destroy you, that greater is Jesus himself to take that which Satan wants to destroy you with and actually give you life and give you a foundation? Sue and I often talk about the fact that much of our ministry is off of my mess. It's true. It's true. It's, it's yes, he has made my mess our ministry. So faith, attitude change, verse 3. Verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors have known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Humility. I cannot stress this enough. I asked somebody recently, I said, do you see me as a humble man? And I opened myself up to that whether it be criticism or whether it would be whatever the answer would be because it's so important. I have watched so many pastors fall because of pride and I do not want that. I never want that. I am nobody. Jesus is everybody. Don't forget that. I'm not going to. And so humility here is shown as laying down, the laying down and the raising up of something. First, the laying down is the action of the manna. I love it that it says that the manna, um, uh, feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. There goes human logic out the door. Can we believe in a God who is not always logical? He's always truthful, but truth does not always equal logic. Because human logic is built on a, on a broken thought process that, that sees things differently than truth at times. And it's so important to keep this in mind. You, young people too. I, I, you know, I appreciate that you're going to school. and love you guys. <laughs> I appreciate that you're going to school and they're trying to teach you all kinds of things. And a lot of it is from human logic. And it's good stuff. Don't get me wrong, it's, there's a lot of God's truth in there, and it's beautiful things. There's some things you shouldn't listen to, let's just name one, evolution. But, um, but I think that you've got to realize that when you close that book in school, that you've got you to let God's wisdom rule stronger than what you've learned at school. Because God's wisdom will, will confirm the truth that you're learning at school, but it will take you beyond what you're being taught at school to, to teach you about life. Amen? You older people, amen? Yeah. So the first thing is we've got to lay down our logic before the Lord and say uh, that, um, that you reign and that you're good. Uh, the Bible says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts uh, than your thoughts. God is calling us to follow him even though it doesn't seem logical. Second, it's the raising up. The raising up of what? The raising up of God's word. If we acknowledge just what I said, that God's wisdom is greater than man's uh, logic, the natural next step is to surrender to the word of God. It's to surrender to it. Psalm 119, 133 says these words, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. The only way sin will not overrule you is if God's word overrules you and God's word is superior. 
The word of God becomes the very food our hearts long for on a daily basis. And just thinking off the top of my head, I think it's Psalm 42. It says that, that I long for you as a, a deer pants for water, so I pant for you. Is that your life? Is that my life? I said in this room, and I believe it with all my heart, that I don't believe a person can be a Christian if they're not reading God's word. So you can determine the level of your faith in God by the level of time you spend with God in the word. A lot of religious people like to go to places and like to feel good about God and that they've learned some new and nice things about God and go home and say, ah, I feel good. And they never read his word on their own. It should alarm some of us in this room. It should alarm us. If that's true about you, stop lying to yourself. Either leave and never proclaim God or get on your knees and repent and open this book because he wants to talk to you. Every day he wants to talk to you. Because he knows that in relationship, you'll obey him and you'll follow him. So, humility. Verse 4, listen to it again. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Soon I needed to hear this. Regain strength. Anybody in here tired? Anybody in this room feeling worn out? Oh. Alice. (sighs) Psalm 73, 26 says these words, My flesh and my heart may fail, but the Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. To lean into new beginnings, one needs to realize that Jesus is more than what you need. He is your strength. He will not only strengthen you, but he will sustain you. And you need to trust that because we wear out so much because we try to do it on our own. Right? I mean, Sue and I have talked about this. You know, when you're leading a church, you know, it's so easy to, well, they aren't doing this, or they're doing this, or they shouldn't do that, or they're just blah, 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 blah. And it's just like you get so caught up in that. And it's, okay, we're going to lean on the Lord, and I'm going to keep preaching this word because I believe that in the word of God is our strength and our portion. And as you hear it, and as your heart is moved, and as you are changed, you become stronger from the inside out. Now, this 60, almost four-year-old body is getting weaker, okay? I cannot do what I used to do. But is my soul getting stronger? Being renewed every day, according to God's word. So, regaining strength. Fifth, and the final, is in verse 5, Know then in your heart that um, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. And I could go on forever about this. New beginnings understand that the discipline that God, listen to me, God only disciplines his children. So if you've never felt the heavy hand of the Lord on your life, that's not a good sign. Because every single one of us has need discipline because the root word of discipline, where's your husband? Stephen, is he in Sunday school? Really? The root word of discipline, Stephen would say, is disciple. (laughs) Exactly. So if you're not being disciplined by the Lord, you're not a disciple of the Lord. If you're not a disciple of the Lord, you're not a follower of him. Period. And if you have felt the heavy hand of the Lord on you, uh, just one suggestion. Submit to it. Repent of what's, what's happened. Move back into relationship with him. Let him know. It doesn't matter what goes from this point on. My life is yours. So walking forward in new beginnings is in faith, attitude change, humility, regaining strength, and delighting in God's disciplining hand. So, as I bring this to a conclusion, my question is this. 
How has the Lord spoken to you about this today? So important. Do not let this go like water off your back. Do not walk away from this and just say, I'm good, I'm fine. Your pastor couldn't do that this week. Couldn't. So convicting in my life. And so, listen to his promises as you think about your own life. Lamentations 3 says this in the 21st through the 23rd verse, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, because the Lord's great love were not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That is our God. That is his heart for you. I don't care where you are, who you are. And what is his purpose for you? Listen to me. Listen to me. His purpose is, to Ephesians 2.15 was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. So um, there's no prejudice within. There is no separation. I don't care what skin color we are. I don't care where we've come from. I don't care if we're rich or if we're poor. There is no separation. He wants to make one, one new person out of the two that were separated. And so... Um, and Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, you were taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And in Revelations 21, uh, verse 5, it says, I am making everything new. So he's doing that in your life right now on an ongoing daily basis and someday he will complete it. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the difficulty that you're struggling with. But can you grasp for, off of this theology of new beginning that he is making something new? Will you come to him? Will you come to him in humility? Will you come to him in trusting him again, that he can do anything. Will you come to him and believe that even right now, no matter what your situation, no matter what you have in this world, whether you have nothing or everything, that, that he can make you new. And that has nothing to do with what you own or possess, but it has everything to do with your heart and the change of your life and the direction of your life. You're going to hear a little bit more down the road about someone that God is calling into mission field out of our church. I'm not going to reveal it right now because the MTF has to meet, uh, and so we've got to get some specifics. But God is calling each one of us for purpose. He's not made a mistake on your life. He is not. You're not a piece of junk. He loves you. And he created you for a purpose. And he said, I'm making everything new. I want to end um, by a chapter of Deuteronomy that has been kind of a prophetic word over this church. It's the, it's the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy. If you have your Bibles open, I want you to turn to the 11th chapter in the 22nd verse. And these are promises that he makes for all of our lives. Obviously, the Israelites, there's, there's a different focus, but you can take this for your life. Listen to it. 11, starting with 22 through 25, says, If you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, you know what that means now. Love him. Love him. Oh, well, they said it in here. To love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon and from the Euphrates rivers to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. Okay, right in front of us is a war going on in Israel. This is the promise that God made to Israel, that they will not lose the land, that they will possess it until he comes back again. 
So as you listen and watch the war, I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about the wars that are going on in your life, the war of the thought processes in your life, the war that uh, of, of, of my life is stuck and it's never going to change, it's always going to be the same, and, and, um, and, and all the wars that are going on. And will you choose to trust God today for new beginnings? Will you believe that no matter what the circumstance you're in, that he can take what Satan meant for evil and turn it to an amazing good and that it actually can become your ministry to reach out to other people, to love them. Can you trust him for new beginnings? Stand with me. I have a sense in here that, and, and I don't want to put any pressure on anybody, but, but that there are some that have been living under uh, something in their past that has just kind of kept them buried under it. And they just have not believed that their life can have new beginnings. They've, they've been saying through this message, hey, Pastor, you don't understand my past. You don't understand what I went through. You don't understand. My life will never be the same. New beginnings is not about being the same. New beginnings is all about being different in Christ, changed for all eternity. If that's true, while Ryan plays the song, if there's anyone in this place that just really the Spirit of God is moving in, um, Jake, will you come forward? A couple of us are going to be up here. I'll be on this side. Jake's going to be on this side. Is that okay? Thanks. <laughs> Didn't give you a lot of choice. Um, but we're just going to pray over you. Let us know what it is. We don't need all the detail. Let us know, and we're just going to ask God that he will move in your heart to bring the spirit of new beginnings into your life this week and that you begin to see the hope that you have in Christ Jesus, no matter where you've come from. Make sense?